Hi, and before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Tired of drinking out of a boring tumbler? Want to make your morning coffee cup one of a kind? Expand with tipsy tumblers. You can special order cups, shot glasses, bookmarks, rolling trays for your cigarettes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can get one with a picture of a special someone or one with Spider-Man. The options are endless. You can upload your own pictures or pick from her selection of design. With Valentine's Day coming up, this could be a great gift for that special someone. Or even just for yourself. Hey. <laughs> you can use the code GAMES2023 at checkout to save 10%. You go to angeltipsytumblers.myshopify.com. There will also be a link in the show notes. Now on to our episode today. Mike, turn your games down. Another TV episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Coberton, and who's our rebel with me tonight? I am Peter, never more than 12, Big M. Pankratz, <laughs> author of The Fifth Civilization. And this is Kerry Chandler, Caruso on Twitch. I didn't think of a funny thing to say this time. <laughs> I didn't. I was either. all set with one, and then no one else did it, so uh, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> that was a good one, though. Yeah, that was, yeah. So we are here to talk about the show that just, well, when you're hearing this, it will probably be 2023 because I don't think this will come out in December. Um, we are here to talk about Star Wars Andor, the t- season one show that came out in 2021, late 2021. Started in September 21st and ran for a little while. And it's still, and I, I think we're getting a season two next year or the year after at some point we're getting a season I two. Just, I just read, I, I, it looks like, looks like season two will be filming through summer of 2023. So Maybe the end of 2023. Maybe. Yeah, I'm betting. I'm betting we get it next next uh, next fall. Same as well. I don't know. Maybe not. But I'm it's glad gonna there's going to be a second season. Yeah. Oh yes, that's. I just read it. You know, five minutes ago as we did. So oh, <laughs> it's great. coming. But it's all we're getting is a second. Which I'm. I, I, it, from what I understand, we're getting a second season and then it's done. Yeah, that's my because, uh, understanding. I mean, spoiler. This is the same character from Rogue One, and let's just say things don't end very well for him in Rogue One. So. I, I mean, yeah, I think they end as well as they were supposed to. Yeah, but I mean, he ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ain't going to be showing up anything else any t- ever again no, after no, this. No, right. his, his story is over with. But in another sense, his story has just begun. <laughs> yeah. So this takes place, which they... So, I mean, I, I do want to say what our excitement was for this show. Before the show came out, I had no interest, did not give a shit, was like, okay, you're making a show about this? Why? Same, same. Right. I, I was yeah. I was like not interested at all. And then the poster, I think a poster for it tricked me into thinking that um, uh, Alan Tudyk's uh, B2SO was going to be in it. Oh, and I was like, okay. all right, I'm going to watch it because now, you know, I remembered how much I liked the the uh, charisma between those two characters in Rogue One, which Rogue One I love. It's my fourth favorite Star Wars movie. So you know, I was I was jazzed for it, but um, I am glad they tricked me because are are we <laughs> are we gonna give impressions now? Yeah, we can I'll give impressions. Yeah, we. I yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I don't care. I I fucking loved this show so much. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's it's really good. I I put it neck and neck with Mandalorian season one. Maybe oh. a little behind a little behind Mandalorian season one. Maybe a little ahead of Mandalorian season two. Okay. Light years ahead of Book of Boba Fett or Obi Wan for sure. Yeah. For Book of Boba Fett, that's not <laughs> saying much, though. Yeah, <laughs> right. But it was, I, uh, it was really have, good. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have to agree. Um, my opinion will probably always change, but 
I think this is definitely a more consistent show than The Mandalorian. I think the highs, you know, are very high and they stay high throughout. Um, it's not maybe as rewatchable in terms of adventure as Mandalorian. But yeah, like Carrie said, I loved it. I thought there's so much good stuff in here that we've been waiting for. And I was I was happy that my expectations were subverted because I was not looking forward to it. And is this the only Star Wars thing without a lightsaber or the Force <laughs> at any point? Yes. Because that's what we thought we were getting with Mandalorian. We thought, okay, yeah, no lightsabers, no force. And then, you know, he's got his little force baby, which is fine. It's great. It's wonderful. We love Goku. But, and, you know, I definitely squealed when Luke Skywalker came in at the end of season, what, two? But at the same time, when the the wash of that wore off, I was like, can we please get away from the freaking Jedi and the the, the Skywalkers and all this, the all solos, all these people? And then here we are. They're, like, there's an Easter egg in the background here or there, and otherwise, this is just like all new characters or a couple of returning characters that aren't part of that. I, I love it. I love it. It's what I've been wanting Star Wars to do for years. So well, you got your wish. I agree. I'm yeah. amazed that they greenlit. I'm amazed that they greenlit this and they agreed yeah. to it because I thought we'd never get like a serious <laughs> show about of just you know of people talking, <laughs> which is yeah. what it was. Oh, so much, so I, much, just good talking. Yeah, and I never thought it would happen because they would want to put it. And so far with season one, you know, fingers crossed that, yeah, no no lightsaber to be found. No Jedi. The word Jedi is not mentioned. Darth Vader does not show up. Yeah, the close the closest thing is in Luthen's shop, you see a helmet in the background that looks kind of like Darth mm-hmm. Vader's helmet. And according to the internet, that is the Star Killers thing from Force Unleashed. Oh. So that's, okay. you know, all that's what the internet says. But that that's it's not, that's, but I mean, I mean, there is a comment with one of the characters, uh, the bracelet or not the bracelet, the kyber crystal that right. the main uh, god, what right. the hell is it? Lucian? Yeah, Luthen, Lucian. Luthen gives it to Andor as like his like down payment for the yeah, for but that pendant that he's wearing, he makes a comment about the Rakatan or something like that. I forget how you pronounce it, which are from you know Kotor. So it's like, yeah, right, yeah, it's like little things like that, but there's no lightsabers, there's no force, you know, no yeah, force users. It's I love it. I know, didn't Doctor, think I would like that, but it I I did. Yeah, there's no, you know, forced cameo from like Dr. Evazan or Panda Baba or anything or, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, which that, I was yeah. worried that they would run it. You know, they would run into Greedo or something. But, you know, I was, nothing. that's exactly what I was worried. I was worried that they were going <laughs> to run into um, what's his name? The guy, the, the guys that they run into in Rogue One that are from A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Panda Baba. Panda Baba. And, and, uh, Dr. Ev- I yeah. forgot they're in that. I, yeah, I haven't seen Rogue yeah. One in a while. Yeah, that's one of those, like, you know, Rogue One is a great, it's a movie of great potential, but it got screwed up in the editing process because, you know, they changed directors halfway through. And you can tell, it's like, here's the really good movie, and then here's all the studio notes that are dragging it down a little bit. And that's one of those where it felt like they're like, yeah, but we need something, we need something, you know, to tie to the other movies. <laughs> and there's none of that in this until, well, there is one post credit sequence. But other than that, other than that, it's all, it's, I love it. You know, right. I, might have, so, I didn't watch oh, any post-credit sequence, so we'll have to talk about that in the end. Oh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that the end, yeah. So the person who kind of was a showrunner was Tony Gilroy, who, who wrote Rogue One, but he's kind of known for awesome. serious movies. But they're very good. He's known for, like, the Born. he directed like, the Bourne Identity movies oh. and the movie Nightcrawler, oh. Michael oh, Clayton. wow. Oh, yeah. So he's, I, he's like, a big, like, action, action thriller director. But also, like, yeah. Night Nightcrawler is like a really interesting one 
that's a that's a that's a really good movie and it's like a real like tense slow burn of a movie i have and i feel major, like that's, this show is a tense slow burn of a show yeah I'm a major issue with that movie it was nightcrawler there's no blue have... man no blue man can't do it <laughs> yes I saw that movie in theaters. You're, wa- um, you're, watching, you're watching two hours and be like, when does he show up? I, wonder I, the... knew I saw it in theaters on Thanksgiving Day <laughs> on a very depressing Thanksgiving. And I I, I'm movie. embarrassed how long it took me to get that joke. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> yes. I remember I'm like, yeah. hey, Nightcrawler, okay. I'm like, wait a second. I mean, I knew it before I saw the movie. I'm like, there's uh, like... <laughs> on our end, you're like, this guy's there's a lot of pol- there are a lot of police chases going on in this movie. Anyway, he can solve this just by teleporting. What's he doing? <laughs> but okay, that's uh, cool um, that he has. What that. I'm trying to say is, keep going. Yeah, I'm trying. What I'm trying to say is, Tony Gilroy is not a Star Wars person, and I think nor is he a Star Wars fan. So for some reason, and not a fan in the sense of like you know, you know, Ryan Johnson or Ron right. Howard, or Abrams. And, or he was, and, that, he was and like, that's one of the best things about Mandalorian is they have all these you know like guest directors who are not tied to star wars necessarily and the best episodes are the ones by people who have no connection to star wars like my be- the best episode of season one of mandalorian is bryce dallas howard okay yeah know, is uh, it's, it's, the one that's a remake of seven samurai and it's or, or not so yeah yeah seven samurai but anyway yeah um yeah that's cool tony gilroy i didn't even know that but i can you say that and i'm like i can feel I'm like thinking of foreign identity and I'm thinking of Nightcrawler and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I can, I can feel that. Right. But that definitely, I can feel it too now that you mentioned it. Like, cause this show, I mean, I was surprised like early on you, you, it doesn't take long. I think, did they release two episodes at once to start the show? Like episode one and two? I think three. Yeah, they did three at once. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that Disney plus is sticking with the old series idea of that. We release, you know, we only release so many episodes at a time and that we kind of, you know, piggyback it here and there. I do like to do. Yeah. yeah, it's good yeah. for them, you know, economically, but also I think it actually is good for us, even if we don't, we don't, it's, you know, it's forcing us to eat our vegetables, so to speak, you know? <laughs> it also yeah. builds, yeah, it builds buzz. And that's really why does. a lot of the, all the shows that people talk about or have talked about usually are shows that do that instead of releasing it all at once, because you, you have the collective wonder about what's going to happen next week. And then everybody talks about the same moment on the same day. So. I think you need right. that. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing I want to touch on right away is one of the issues that a lot of people had with this show is that the heroes aren't really heroes. Like, I mean, Axis or Luthen is not a good person. <laughs> Andor's not a good person. Like, none of these people are good people in the rebellion. But I really think that's how rebellions are in history. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And I don't I don't know about like good. It's just they're not pure. You know, what I mean. Oh, like, okay. like Andor does, you know, do the right thing. He take he does eventually, you know, it's like he, he just has to grow into that, I think. And I think that's a big part of what Rogue One is about is he's starting off Rogue One. His arc in Rogue One is that he's he's kind of like his soul is crushed by the dark stuff that he's had to do for Luthen, like the dark stuff he's had to do for the rebellion. And then here comes Jen Erso with all this like hope and optimism and she convinces him that, you know, you can be good and do good and you don't have to, like, give up who you, you know, you don't have to give up your your humanity. And that's his arc in Rogue One. But okay. I feel like he's has a, a good a bit of that arc in this series that he and this one is more about him learning how to have something to fight for. And in Rogue One is about him learning how to be, a, you know, how to be a person and have hope. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But, but I think there's similar arcs. And yeah, so I don't think he's necessarily 
bad person per se. Like I heard, I was, I was listening to like a podcast about it at one point and someone was saying, well, you know, he murders those two guards in the first episode. And I'm like, I mean, murder is a, is, <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. Well, I would I, say he murders. I would. He murders them. It's not, it wasn't planned. It just wasn't. Well, it's, also not, un, it. it's also not unprovoked. Like, right. Like he's, I mean, he, yeah. They're not good people. I mean, they're bad guys. He murders in the sense of, in you know, they're bad even guys. The, they're going to get reality. him. Put in, yeah, they're going to rob him and put him in jail. Right. And and he's like, I'm not going to let that happen. And so he's willing to kill rather than go to jail unjustly, or or not even unjustly, but be robbed <laughs> and go to jail. I don't know if it's unjustly because he probably is breaking the law there. It's it's. I, I think he is. He's there to steal something. No, he was there for. Um, on his sister. I feel like that's no. I feel like that's where he got the nav unit. That he okay. Steals. Now, I don't know if he went there for. Oh no, no, you're right. He went there looking for his sister. He steals their the the corporation ship that has the nav unit. I guess. Oh, that's no, how that, he gets it. No, that doesn't make any sense. No, because the nav <laughs> unit. Luthan was looking for the nav unit in the first place. I think Bix had the nav unit. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how he got the nav unit. They don't really say. I mean, they just kind of really kind of point out that like he is a thief in general. Like he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he survives a... by being a thief, but he's he's stealing from a fascist dictatorship. So it's like <laughs> it's it is gray areas, but I think he's on the light side of gray is all. Yeah, I, I mean, when we first we first see him in, uh, I mean, Rogue One. Going back to that, I mean, when we first introduced him, within five minutes he kills someone. He he kills a good guy. He kills an informant. Yeah, and I, I was shocked by that when I first saw it. But I guess he was like in terms of like the guy we've was got, was we've got to like get out of injured? here. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he knew the guy was going to talk. And he's like, right. you know, it's spy, it's spycraft stuff. It is, yeah. but it is, yeah, it's definitely not the kind of uh, honestly childish black and white of Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is, I mean, I mean, the force itself is like a very, I mean, we love it. We're Star Wars nerds, but it is yeah. a very like child's idea of morality that there's like literal magical good and evil almost, you know, like in the world and that you can go to one and the, you know, there's redemption and so on, but still this is like, not like that. It is very much, it's, it's, it is, you know, mission impossible kind of situation where it's, you know, the, the guys in mission, you know, Tom Cruise in mission impossible, he's doing good things for the right reasons, but he's also absolutely willing to kill and, you know, silence people and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. I, I love it. It's what star Wars needed. It needed, yeah, it, it needed it. It needs its adult drama, though. I'll tell you, I watched this with my 10 year old. He was riveted. He loved it. <laughs> he loved this show. He he got it. I mean, he's a very mature kid. Uh, he's like really smart and mature, but still he got it. Like he was he was super into it. That's cool. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah, Because I, yeah, I know Star Wars fans that didn't like people that didn't like the show because this really isn't. It doesn't feel like a Star Wars show. Like we said earlier, no lightsabers, no Jedi. There's nothing like that. It's just set in the universe. And that's but, the thing. I can't I can't even imagine getting in that mindset because I'm I'm like I'm definitely one of those people who's like feels like Star Wars outside of like the Mandalorian, like and Rogue One, I feel like Star Wars hasn't been good for like twenty years. <laughs> you know, and and a, and a couple of other things. You know, Clone Wars is a good kid show, you know, a bad not a kid show anymore. <laughs> Bad Batch. I mean, but, you know, still Clone Wars. I mean, I would still call it a kid's show. It gets a little dark, but the one I'm forgetting, it's Rebels. even Rebels. Yeah, Rebels, Bad Batch. Those are good. But I mean, the movies, the movies have been mediocre at best for t- two decades, with the exception of Rogue One. Right. The TV shows, Mandalorian's great, but the other ones have been 
again, I would say Obi-Wan's got a good hour and a half in there, but otherwise it's not great either. And then Book of Boba Fett, I don't know if it has a good hour and a half. (laughs) Maybe it gets, no, maybe, maybe it does. But still, this is like such a breath of fresh air to the series. And I don't know, I I can't see being upset that it's lacking in Star Wars. That's the best thing about it. And is that it's not traditional Star Wars. Does an extremely good job, I feel, of showing you kind of how the rebellion, or not even kind, I shouldn't say kind of, shows you how the rebellion gets started. It shows you a guy who's in the background who we never see, because I'm assuming his ass gets killed before we get to Rogue One. I'm assuming. I, oh, are you talking about Luthen? Luthen. I'm, I, 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 he has I, to be dead by, by I, the time. I, ex- I expect him to die at the end of season two. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. But it also makes sense. I mean, this is a character who you find out he's a rich guy, essentially. I mean, he has money and yeah. he's, you know, started started shit with the Empire because he didn't like what they were doing. And it's gone too far, in a sense. And he knows that he can't stop. And at the same time, he also realizes he'll is, never be recognized. But what he's doing is really important, too. Like, And that's that is like a parallel with Andor in Rogue One, right? That at the end... You know, he's fighting for a world that he's not going to get to live in, right? Which is what Luthen says in this show. Yeah. All the all the all the characters in Rogue One are fighting for a world that they're not going to get to see. They're sacrificing themselves for the next generation, right? Yeah, because they all know they're not. I mean, even in this, like you, I mean, the only character in this that makes it through the Star Wars movies that you see again is Mon Mothma. Everyone else, yeah. Is, none of them are coming out of this alive. Yeah, and she right. gets killed by a she gets killed by a bio weapon in one of the worst Star Wars books I've ever read. So. <laughs> But I don't think that counts anymore. It's no longer canon. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know it doesn't. God, I hated that. <laughs> Forget I, I po- poisoned her. That's a good uh, job at inducing you to Andor, to getting you to kind of care. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it has a backstory to him that doesn't matter. Oh, he's Canary, and you have that, but it really doesn't matter. Like, I'm. It, I, it doesn't, and I, I. That's actually literally the only complaint I had about the show was I felt like that went nowhere and was kind of pointless. Yeah. yeah. Showing the the idea of like primitive pe- primitive people living like you know like bronze like Stone Age almost who have no idea that they're they're living in it that's that's neat but it doesn't really mean anything I mean all we needed I mean it doesn't matter right it doesn't no, really they didn't matter. come back to it, it they really show. I mean it just all that really mattered is we needed to know that he's an orphan that's adopted by God I don't even remember the the name Marva. of the Marva yeah this adopted by Marva. I was trying to think of the actress that plays Marva. She was in Cowboy know. Bebop, the, the, the live action. I can tell you that. That's where I recognized her. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, she's a um, yeah, she's a British actress. Among, among other things, the Harry Potter movies as well. Playing oh, um, that's where I also recognized her from. <laughs> yeah, Wait, who does she play in the Harry Potter movies? The adopted um, what's her name? Aunt, Aunt, no, she plays Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Petunia. What's her name? Aunt Something Petunia? like that. Oh, Aunt Petunia. Oh, okay. Oh, the Dursleys, cool. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dursley thing, you know, that's one of those. Yeah. Wow, that's oh, sad yeah, that the, totally. the one thing that popped in my head was Cowboy Bebop in the live action. She's in one episode in the with the Sea Rats, and I, yeah. of the few episodes I watched, and that's where I recognized her from. Didn't even think about Harry Potter, where you know she's probably that's well known right. for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she she's she's in Fleabag. Uh, yeah, I see. Anola okay. Holmes. Yeah, so she's in Killing Eve. Oh, she's in a lot of Killing Eve. Okay, I should watch that. Oh, that's, one day. that's cool. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. Well, that's but cool. It, yeah, he I does like a good I, job of setting yes. all that up. I mean, and this show is really broken into art. I mean, we'll, we'll go more in depth, but I just like, give an like overview. As I was thinking about it, you have introduction to Andor, you have getting ready for the heist, the all Danny heist, you have the prison and prison break, and then you just have the end of everything. Yeah. And yeah, 
I mean, this show is 12 episodes, and, like, watching it week by week was the right way to watch it. Today, I've been watching, God, I think I watch where he gets arrested or when he's in prison up until the final episode during throughout the day. And and yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's Don't honestly, that. like, the best arc of the show <laughs> is that the right. prison thing was amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll get to it, I guess. Right. But, oh, man. Well, did you want to go, like, episode by episode, or, or what do you want to uh, do? No, I just arc. Just the characters and arc. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... I, I I agree, and I, I decided to take it back about saying I complain about that. Actually, come to think of it, I think we don't need we don't need to kn- uh, know anything more than we know about his childhood. I think it actually was pretty. It was a neat I mean, little bit of world building, and then it, it does what it needed. It did exactly what it needed to do. So, I, uh, well, my only mind. question was that the Empire was that the Republic when that happened? It would have to be the Republic. Okay. For the time frame. Okay, because that's what. Because I guess it also kind of shows the Republic wasn't as good as you think they are. Like, you, his adopted yeah. father gets killed by clone troopers, it looks like. Are they? Not are they yeah, I think you're right. Because they do even say, for the Republic. I mean, it oh. could have been after it was already, you know, kind of not the Republic. But if I remember correctly, it becomes the Empire, like, immediately after he takes over. Yeah, time frame wise, I mean, you figure the Empire starts uh, about the time that Leia is born, right? Yeah, and in Rogue, just... and Rogue One, Leia's like 18 years old, right? I mean, Rogue One mm-hmm. is taking place. In, I mean, the you know Carrie Fisher was like 17 when they filmed A New Hope, right? Oh, I think, God. yeah. And so if, if if we're supposed to think that you know Leia and Luke are about 18 years old, which would make sense, right? Because Luke is thinking of going off to the academy and stuff. And Rogue One happens, you know, at the same, basically the same time as, you know, five minutes before A New Hope. <laughs> then, yeah, Cassian, I mean, Cassian looks like he's in his 30s. He looks like he's probably at least, you know, in his late 20s in Rogue One. Yeah. So for him to be a kid like that would, I mean, maybe it could have been just barely the Empire. Yeah. But I think it, I think it is, um, I think that they do say something about the Republic, like you said, right? But I, I did like that. I like that you see the Republic is not as good as you think they were. Right. Yeah. I thought that was cool because they're not the greatest. <laughs> so, and I, I, I just like that being touched on because we don't normally get that touched on. Shades of gray, like we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's good. Like, because you see that his father, you know, his stepfather was killed or adopted father, whatever word I should use. But you see that he was killed like. They do a good job in showing you why he hates organized government, even though this organized government is fucking awful in this Star Wars world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it makes sense for people to be against. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a good government at all. Yeah, I think they do such a good job in the show, like with with um, like making Coruscant look like dystopian. Mm hmm. Right. Because the prequels Coruscant's like, you know, magical city planet. It looks it looks like, you know, <laughs> looks like, it, you know, Rivendell from Lord of the Rings, almost only, like you know, but with skyscrapers. And and this one, it's like it looks I mean, it looks like something out of 1984. You okay. know, like, I mean, you, like, do, you do have a scene should. with the Senate where like nobody's when, when Mon Mothma was trying to like, say, oh, we need to do this. And nobody's paying any attention to her. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, they're kind of protesting her. Yeah, <laughs> they're protesting by shutting off their lights or just yeah. Yeah, saying, yeah apparently okay. that yeah that's like the way that they kind of signal that they're not paying that they don't they don't agree with you. Okay. Yeah. It's like boo! It is booing. It, it is, is yeah. It's basically booing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was 
it was cool also to have like the you know to have that art going back and forth because like you know here you have that character you know is kind of living a very sheltered life in a way you know is very lucky and then you and you know and they, they, they like to play off you know showing her with all the terrible things that are happening to andor at the same time like they have lots of cuts of that throughout the show and i thought that was a cool concept too to kind of show you what you know the shit he's going through and then without you know at the same time that's yeah. all i that's all i took it especially with the prison break you see a lot of it with the prison break where she's in this fancy ass building he's in a freaking prison cell yeah yeah i thought that was they did a really good job of kind of setting up the idea that mon mothma is like i mean she just felt like such a real character like yeah. I can, I can just imagine, like you know, if our if our country, you know, continues in a fascist mm-hmm. direction long enough, and we become, you know, like it is in this show where they're the empire, but they're still the Senate for now and all that. I could absolutely imagine, like a you know, certain politicians in our our government who would, <laughs> who would, who would be like her, who would be trying to do the good thing, but they would still be so disconnected from the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think is the the thing is like she is on the right side of things. She's helping. She's risking her life and her livelihood and her reputation and all that. But she's also like, I think she's insulated from the realities of it. And like when the Aldani thing happens, she's like really upset. And Luthen's like, what did you think we were? Do- what did you think all this money was for? Like, what did you think we were doing? Like, you, you know, like, did you think we were, like, going to have a protest? Or he, he doesn't say that. He says something along those lines, but he's like, what did you think this was all about? Like, this is, <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't, I mean, she, I don't think she, like, quite realizes, like, you know, and she gets, like, real upset about being involved with that, like, criminal guy. And I don't think she realizes, like, she's associated with criminals already. Yeah. She's associated with people who are killing people and committing crime. And she's helping them. She's paying for it. I don't think she realized what she was getting herself into. Yeah, I really do believe that. I think she's just, you know, a well-meaning politician who's decided to do the right thing, but she doesn't know what the right thing's going to entail. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I love because I think that's like she feels like one of the most real characters in the show to me. Like I could absolutely imagine that character being a real person. Peter, do you have anything you want to add about that? No. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I just want to make sure I gave you the floor before I continued on. I didn't want you to turn off That's your light. Fine. You know? I, I, no, I'm good. I think uh, I would love to uh, go through the episodes and kind of talk about that. Okay, we can. I have nothing to say. I have nothing more to add about characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I should. I'll pull it up. But like, when does the? Because you have some. Of the, I think you have a couple episodes. Oh, one thing that you have a couple episodes of like casting being on planet before he ends up getting caught up with the whole Aldani thing. I think it's Ferrex. like the first three episodes. Yeah. The the third episode ends with Luthen getting him off Ferrex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, that I thought was cool. I mean, I think it's interesting, like, that that you have an area also with the corporate security where it's not the Empire. They're having somebody else run security at a planet until they fuck up. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think, I, I, go ahead. I think that was, uh, you know, Seeing the bureaucracy of the corporate sector and then, of course, the Imperials was, you know, probably one of my favorite parts of the show. Just that there's there's like the Empire. I forget. There's some lore about the corporate security, but at least I don't know what that is exactly. But at least in the show, it's kind of portrayed as like, well, the Empire needs them to maintain. They like have some level of autonomy. But in the end, like they have to report to the Empire. Yeah. Still. And yeah, they're not stormtroopers and stuff. They're just guys in weird jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. Who, you know are very British, <laughs> but it, 
it's such an interesting it's like another level of the of the government that we haven't seen level of star wars at least you know in a in yeah. standard star wars movie there'd be stormtroopers and people officers there but it's like okay this is this is a subcontract this is like you know <laughs> not quite a private security but it's like these people that are also fascists that we you know leave we the empire has determined you can control your stuff for now until you get until you mess things up and then we're going to take charge there so yeah exactly it's a, I, it's I was looking at the, yeah. i was looking at the names of stuff and so like the planet that Cassian goes to where he kills the two officers is called Morlana One. And then the security company is called Pre-More Security. Okay. Yeah. And it has so it has that word more in it. So I think it is like this is like the Morlana system. There's a corporation yeah. that controls everything in the Morlana system, and the Empire is yeah. giving them like limited autonomy until, yeah, until they mess until they have a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And and it felt that feel again just feels like extremely realistic, like the way it would actually be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking of like you know, kind of private security or, or like you know, some oil companies who have like their <laughs> own kind of kind of basically a military force oh, yeah. guarding them. Yeah, and like yeah, there might be an American company, but you know, the American military doesn't have anything to do with it. But yeah, it's like an outpost that outpost that can manage itself. And I think that's a very interesting way of showing the government. Yeah, it was cool turns to, out I can't. Yeah. to see that in Star Wars for a change. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because we never gotten that. And then the scene, how resourceful Cassian is, because you really get to see that a lot in these first few episodes, where he's a very resourceful person. I mean, he's constantly trying to, and he's outsmarting them. Like, they bring, what, I think 12 guys or so, or 20 guys into this raid, and they get fucked up bad by Cassian and an old man. And Luthen, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Luthen is a big part of that. Luthen's got, yes. like, plans on plans on plans. He's he is like really good at this. So yeah, Cassian in fact almost really screws it up because he <laughs> is just like so focused on we've got to get the Star Path unit, got to get the Star Path unit. Well, money. Yeah, because that's all his. Because that's his. That's like you know he's he's living on like that raw edge, like just surviving by hustling, you know. And that's like represents a lot of money to him. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, well, it does. It does. And I I was gonna say I know we're off characters. I just want to say Cyril the. The security guy that is just like obsessed with him, such a good character, such a like, again, just like we have so many of these little like little, I mean, everything about him. All right, I'll, I'll get off that. But I just want to say him and <laughs> him and his his crunch berries and blue milk and his mom, <laughs> his crazy ass mom. Oh, my God. It's like these are characters we've never seen anything like this in a Star Wars. Anything. Right. And also uncomfortably similar to, you know, people like that in the real world who would be. Oh, yeah. Like, we, I'm sure, you know, in the real world, people like Cyril become fascists all the time. Like, he's basically an yeah. alt-right incel. Yeah, well, I don't, and the thing is, I don't even think that he's necessarily bad at first. I think he's, like, just a good cop who's upset. Just trying to do his job. Yeah, yeah he's just trying, he's, like, he's upset, like, that basically two of his fellow officers were killed, and his superior right. officer doesn't care and doesn't right. want him to, and he's, like, he's, like, he's just, like, obsessed with law and order, and he goes kind of far with it, but I don't... I don't know that he's even a bad a bad person in this. Really, he's just like obsessed with catching a guy that murdered two police officers. To him, to his perspective, it, yeah. Well, he's he's bad in the sense of the show, and that he's working with the Empire, I guess. So, I mean, the show has coded him. Yeah, I feel like he'd be he's coded as a villain. See, and and I think that I think that if there's anyone on the Imperial side that is going to have a, a potential redemption in the second season, I feel like Cyril is the one. Because I feel like he I is mean, the person. I, he is the one with actually good motives, trying mm. to do the right thing. 
I can see that happening for sure. Well, I don't I mean, know. I, he, he does become self-serving because he is like really obsessed with how his career was ruined. Yeah. But I, I still feel like it's really just this. He is, well, you know, like Les Mis, the inspector, you know, the guy who's, he's just obsessed with catching Jean Valjean because to him, theft is theft. doesn't matter that he stole bread because he was, he was, you know, starving. Theft is theft. I'm a cop. He's a criminal. I've got to go after him. And I feel like it's it's like that, only legitimately Cassian killed two guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he stole a loaf of bread because he was starving. He killed two, you know, security officers who were probably bad. And that's I think the bad the thing that Cyril's ignoring is that these are dirty cops that were killed. Yeah. But to him it's like murder is murder. He killed two guys. I've got it. And then I mean he kills two more on Ferrix. He and Luther <laughs> killed they I think they say two people died, two yeah. two more officers died. Right. And yeah, in that they do thing. for sure. Which it, I'll say, we were talking about Cassian. I was saying Cassian's good. He specifically spares one of those guys. Oh, yeah. He ties he him like, up instead of shooting him he, when he Luthien like, doesn't let him kill him. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't think is, is in keeping with what we saw him do like a couple of episodes before, but still. But any, anyway, I, I just, yeah, I wanted to, to touch on that while we were on the, while we were going through the, the yeah. So the first three episodes, re- the first three episodes really feels like one, like I, I do feel like there's certain arcs. Right of the show, and that those first three episodes—that's the Ferrix. That's yeah. the Ferrix. That's the introduction. We get Cassian, we get Luthen, we get Mon Mothma, we get Ferrix, we get Cyril. We've got that whole thing, and then it ends. And season four, we go into the heist. Yeah, because um, episode yeah, four, five, and six are all the heist. Yeah, right. There's the uh, the old Hitchcock object, the MacGuffin, and that's what the the um, object that drives the character is. The object that drives the character. Object the character right. desire. And then right. and it's the Star Path unit in the first couple episodes. Like they they want the Star Path unit, they get the Star Path unit, and that's like causing all the problems. Right. And then it becomes you know the Aldani heist. Like the MacGuffin is we have to we have to get the gold or we get the payroll. Yeah, that that is something I wanted to mention by the way because I yeah. a friend of mine was watching this like a, a couple like a couple of weeks after me, and he would occasionally in our group chat be like, okay, so what the hell? Like the Empire <laughs> still using like gold coins like they isn't you, like you you would think at this point i mean in our world we're, we're, almost, we're almost off of currency at this point you know we're we're right. basically digital now like you would think the empire it would all be the credits would all be um digital and and i and i was like yeah i don't know like i guess they're i you think in in star wars you see people have currency sometimes right yeah but but usually it's like well you know you think like mandalorian He's taking bounties. He's getting like literal Beskar, right? Here's, <laughs> for it. here's my thought is that Palpatine was really into the gold standard and he really was upset <laughs> when the Republic got off the gold standard. And that, yeah. was, that was his main thing. When he, his second day of office, he was like, we're getting back the gold standard because we got to have something that makes tangible. Yeah. And so they all went back to the gold standard after they had <laughs> digital currency for 2000 years or whatever. <laughs> That's my. Right. Okay. Yeah. It is really funny, and I, I don't know if it's supposed to be gold, but it is like clearly right. like I don't know. It looks like bars, maybe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, it looks like gold bullion. Yeah, it yeah, does. it does. Right, and so it's just like it's supposed to be some kind of metal, and it's just like I guess I just I guess I mean, like you know like the Ferengi have latinum gold press latinum. <laughs> I was gonna say in Star Trek, there's no currency because it's like a socialist utopia, but no, the Ferengi have got their gold press latinum. So I guess. I guess it's fine. It's just, it was kind of funny though. I was just like, from a screen, yeah, I, I agree with you from a screenwriter's perspective. It's like, you know, 
doing a digital heist is not interesting in the least. And so right, right. you like, need to have something. Get, we got to get in and hack the. We got to get in and hack the mainframe and delete yeah. their bank accounts. <laughs> right. No one. Right. No one cares about that. Plus, you know, Star Wars is a little bit. Star Wars is always because it was from the '70s when you know digital yeah. tapes were the future technology. It's always kind of a mix of you know spaceships and old antiquated stuff. And so Which that's is, because it's always it's been one. Of, it's always been one of my favorite things about Star Wars too is how it's the future retro. I, I just started watching uh, the Battlestar Galactica series, the the one from the mid 2000s. And that's got yeah. that same thing going on. And they actually have an in-world explanation for it in that show. But I, I like that a lot. It makes it feel more real. And that was that was another thing I was going to say about the show is, you know, the Mandalorian, they use that light room and it's really cool looking. And they but they basically the, the whole they're like in a computer simulation at all times in that show, pretty much. And this you can so much of it where they actually you can see they went like they went out in the world. They went out somewhere oh, and yeah. filmed. Like the stuff on Aldani, yeah. Aldani is like it looks like they're in like New Zealand or something, and I I love I think that. It looks so much more real. Fi- yeah, it does. They use real locations, which I think is why it filmed a long time. It was filmed in the UK, and I believe Aldani was in Scotland or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that's yeah. why. It's, and the Neomos, the you know the Miami type plant was filmed, you know, in the city <laughs> called Blackpool, which is on the coast. And honestly, it looks it doesn't look warm. It looks like it it looks like a, a beach in England, which is you know. <laughs> a kind of cold yeah touch. yeah it, de- <laughs> but, it did look it looked it, it looked very much like that but that made it look more alien to me as an american so i was like yeah this right. is like a cold alien planet <laughs> it did not yeah. look warm it did i i and i wonder if it was meant to but having been to england and gone to the beach it's not even the summertime they're not anything like miami or like you know california beaches i, I like, did get the impression yeah. that it was supposed to be yeah but but yeah, it just that's it, it looked it looked so real. Like I was just compare that scene, for instance, to like um, in Rogue One when they're like actually fighting on the beach. It yeah. looks very CG. I mean, it looks yeah, beautiful, yeah. but it looks very CG. And this, yeah, I just I, I know it's a, a minor thing, but everything in this felt so original Star Wars. Like that, yeah. there's like there's there's gonk droids walking around at, at one point and in the first episode and. And that droid that his mom has, yeah, I really he, like. I really like that that like fucked up little like ha- broken droid that can't talk right. I love him. That, yeah, I, I liked him too. I I felt it was the only. There are very few cutesy things in the show. It was yeah. the only kind of cutesy conceit oh, yeah. that you know kids would like. But <laughs> I doubt you know very little kids or would be too into this. Um, yeah, but, it's, but still, it's not going to be like the it's not going to be BB-8, though. It's not BB-8. It's not even R2-D2. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not like Babu Frick showing up or something, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> which would have been which would have been too much or a porg, you know, that's just a little too or much. Porg. But it's yeah, exactly. It doesn't go across the line of cutesy. It is cutesy, but it doesn't go over the top. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was a little it would it added a little bit of levity here and there. Yeah. I think it's I think it's on a similar for me it's on a similar level to Cyril eating his crunch berries and blue milk <laughs> every <laughs> single time we see him at his mom's house he's eating just the it it really does look like the Captain Crunch oops all crunch berries it does and, right and blue milk and I don't know why but it just made me laugh every time I saw him eating it <laughs> It made sense. I saw it and I said that's what he eat. You that's know what? If you, yeah, if you're you you had to go cop got fired has to go live with his overbearing mom he's eating his crunch berries right exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, they go to Aldani, and it's awesome. I, I really like the Aldani heist thing. I yeah. did not know how many episodes there were going to be, and so I was like fully expecting episode six, where you know the to actually be the end of the series, and then it, it keeps going. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Just, yeah, I yeah, yeah the, the, that whole that whole part was it just kept going in different directions. Yeah, because so I did not know. It, the first three episodes are one thing, and then, like we said, it goes to another thing. Um, you know, it keeps moving on to arc to arc, and I think the Aldani arc is is super interesting, just because the conceit it's kind of Star Trekky in that they have a, um, a natural phenomenon that they're that the that the people are watching that they're going to use to that I don't think we've up. ever seen in a I don't think we've ever seen like that like a, a native a native population witnessing a, a natural phenomenon in a Star Wars. Oh yeah, no, you're movies. right. That is very Star Trek. Yeah. That is something. Yeah, that from is. That, that's like something out of Next Generation, really. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was cool, and I like how it was. It was great. I loved it. You also yeah, have you have a bunch of different characters in this. You have a you know someone who used to be a stormtrooper. You have a kid who right. just is you know idealist who wants to see freedom for you know people. You have a mercenary who just wants revenge and money. Like I like the way it was. Yeah, and they Star Wars like quietly throwing in a lesbian couple. I'm always, yeah, yeah. I'm always happy when, you know, just, I'm like, I hope that pissed somebody off. You know? <laughs> you know it yeah. And it was very, like, you know, they don't, I mean, it was very simple. Like, they just make a yeah. comment once, so they say, her, her bed's already taken, or something like that. Yeah, and they, they show them, like, you know, hold each other a couple of times, and it's yeah. like, but it's, it's great. Like, that's, that's what we need in media, is just normal, just, it's just part of the characters. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's not a, it's just there, right? Yeah. It's normal. It's, it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, because this is, you know, this is a galaxy far, far away where their values are, you know, different than that's that would just be normal to their yeah. society. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like it that be- the people on Aldani are all like farmers and you have like the Empire really being assholes and like be like, oh, you know, screw these guys and all sorts of stuff like that. I thought that was all. Interesting. It felt, again, felt very realistic. And I liked the whole like concept of like, we don't have to like oppress them or beat right. them down or anything. We just put bars and entertainment along their pilgrimage and less right. and less of them make it all the way through every year they yeah. just get they just get tired of their own traditions we give them new traditions right. and it's 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 such a smart and realistic way and I, I have like a a really weird parallel with my life i you know i don't know i can't remember like mike you live up in the the northern tundra right yes. <laughs> and peter i don't remember where you're from milwaukee milwaukee okay so y'all are both up from and i'm from texas right and I yep. went to Texas A&M and A&M, we have this tradition going. We have lots of traditions because A&M's a bunch of crazy. It's a cult, <laughs> but A&M's an absolute cult. But anyway, we have these traditions dating back 100 years in some cases. And one of them that's like over 100. Well, it started like the 19 teens is building this bonfire on campus. And when I say building a bonfire, you're probably picturing, you know, eight feet tall or 12 feet tall. It was eventually like four stories tall. Yeah, <laughs> these massive, and it's built entirely by students with no supervision, lots of alcohol consumption going on, and <laughs> construction equipment. But but really, it's mostly manpower of you know getting like twenty people to pick up a you know a log the size of a telephone pole and get it you know onto the stack. And you're stacking, so you're basically stacking telephone pole size logs on top of each other, right? And then setting it on fire ahead of the big game against UT every year. And we put an outhouse on the top, painted with UTs, burnt orange and white. And it says TU, <laughs> it says TU instead of UT, because 
A&M calls UTTU because we think it'll make them mad. It's it's so dumb. Everything about it. Well, <laughs> my junior year of high school, so two years before I started A&M, it collapsed. It killed 13 students. Oh. It happened like 300. They built Bonfire. It was like Bonfire was done like 500 yards from my dorm. So a bunch of when I moved into my dorm, a bunch of the older students in my dorm, they had been first responders. My friend's sister, she was, you know, like, you know, she had like first aid training because she was a lifeguard. So she like, you know, was out there like pull and helping pull bodies out. And it was horrific. It's like a big scar on our university. Right. And so they canceled bonfire the next year and the next year. But, you know, by my freshman year or sophomore year, especially the students and the alumni were really wanting to do bonfire again. And the university, for obvious reasons, did not want us doing bonfire anymore (laughs) because 13 freaking students died in the last one. And yeah. so they banned it from campus. They just like, they stealth banned it at first. They're like, oh, we're going to talk about it. And then they eventually said, no, we're not doing bonfire ever again. It's done. And so students, the students and alumni started one off campus, like a rancher donated his land for it and they started doing it off campus. And so what our university did was bring in like big name country music stars, like that, like wave on wave guy or whatever. I can't remember his name is, but bring in these like famous musicians and have a big free concert on campus on the night of the off-campus bonfire. And the student, the the older students and the alumni still go to the bonfire, but more and more every year. And now it's like the off-campus bonfire is barely a thing. Interesting. The students go to, and it's, I know it's like a really, sorry, it's a long story, but it's, it just made me think of that with that. I was like, it's just like what they did with bonfire is they got rid of bonfire by giving the people something to entertain them. And as generations go by, people forget. And, you know, my son, by the time he goes to, if he goes to A&M, they probably won't even know what bonfire is anymore. But it used to be, it's like, it was like a really big part of this stuff there, traditions, uh, all the like yells and cheers and all that kind of stuff that they do at games. A lot of them are based on it. And so it's it's really an interesting, I'm sorry, that was a little story. No, I get get the parallel. Yeah, it does seem... It seems it is a, very similar. <laughs> yeah, it's a very real, but that's what it's so it felt so real to me. I was like, that's, and of course, the difference is I honestly completely agree with the university. Like, right. <laughs> I think Bonfire was a dumb tradition, and I think it's horrible. You know, 13 students died. Yeah, let's stop doing the crazy three story tall bonfire. Of so what course. you're saying is you, you didn't right. go to the Empire School. Okay. Right. Well, I, I but, but but my point is, is I, I so it's the difference is here is the Empire is the bad guys. But I just it felt like a very realistic. Oh, that's here. cool. Yeah, right. So that's, that's, it's that's like a, they're soft banning the eye in a sense. They're saying well, you're not they're not they're not banning celebration, but they're trying to make it as less as possible. And clearly that and all, shows also they can build an airfield at the place that the people like to do it. Right. At the end, which is just like it's so. Yeah. Imperial. It's so imperial, yeah. It's, it's like the planet's so big, surely you can build one another, another place, but you know, the empire, empire like, no, this this valley is like a really nice spot. We like it. Right. <laughs> it's like that's that's so perfect. That's so you know, like you say, it's so perfectly imperial. Yeah, it, and it shows this show this show is doing a good job of showing the Imperials as as much as you know, much as I hate to say it, as human beings. You know, yeah. they're not they're not they're not cackling, rubbing their hands, thinking how evil. They're running the empire like empires get run, like the British empires. Right. Like this exactly. is not talking like, oh no, we've got a problem. Well, your sector is in charge of that. Why aren't you? Why aren't you yeah. dealing with the rebels? And you know, the <laughs> commander of the Aldani base is like, kind of like putting on his clothes and you know, getting ready for the big dinner or whatever. And he's saying, ugh, these natives. Well, got to throw them a bone every now and again, I guess. Yeah, it really and, did feel very British, actually. 
Yeah, no, not, not just because they're British, I guess. Well, right. But, I mean, it does actually feel like the British Empire, like, in India. Right. Like, yeah. India is a good example. Every kind of country that Britain ran where, like, they're in charge, but, you know, they're, um, you know, the Imperials are definitely a minority on this planet. So they're kind of like, yeah. we don't have the ability to just stop everything at once. We have to do these, you know, soft power moves. and yeah. I love when that commander met the leader of the pilgrims. Oh, yes. And, and yeah. the guy was <laughs> translating for him. And yeah. He, he said something nasty to him, and the guy, like, yeah. translates differently. And he looks at him, and he realizes that he's, like, that he's not actually translating it correctly. Right, I loved yeah. It. I loved it's a it. little character moment. And, it you know, nobody remarks upon it. But, yeah, it's such a great, it was a great little scene. Yeah. And- and I do like that you had an imperial commander, you know, essentially turning rebel because of what the empire did against him, you know, right. by assuming killing the woman he loved. So he decided to say, fuck you and turned against them. Right. You know, it's a cool thing yeah. to see. And, you know, how much trouble it, he caused. It made more sense. The, um, you know, the, the double agent here made more sense than the one in Obi-Wan, who was just there was the woman who I forget her name, who was just kind of like, yeah. oh, I don't agree with the Empire, and I'm going to help you out. And it just seemed kind of, like, abrupt, whereas this, we get a sense of why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. Well, the woman in, uh, I would say, uh, in, in Obi-Wan, she had already been working in the underground, right. helping, okay. high, helping high Jedi. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right. This, yeah. Still, the every, every character in this, every minor character in this has more background and character building than any character that's been in any other Star Wars thing. Yeah, honestly, I would have to honestly. agree, yeah. Like, it's just this, they did such a good job of making every like, single, I, I say every single, I was actually going to say the two, um, I mentioned the, the, the lesbian couple, the darker, I can't remember the darker skin one's name, but she, I felt like, was a, I think that Cinta? maybe, maybe uh, I felt like she was a real closed book. We didn't really get to, to learn much about her. Yeah. Cinta, you're right. Cinta. Vel, I felt like you really got to know. Oh yeah. You, there's you a scene. Right after Aldani with Val, like when you first when you first realize who she is and she's all dressed up and she's Mon Mothma's oh, cousin, that I threw me that. for a loop. Yeah, I yeah. I didn't. Yeah, that that was like a really good reveal when she turns out to be Mon Mothma's cousin. Yeah, I forgot all about right. that. Right, and I I yeah. like the idea of you had somebody rich who you know had money and had power in a way, and then you know all of a sudden's like, yeah, I'm gonna go, uh, you know, Become start a, a war with the Empire. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It does. Tr- it has happened before in, in history. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, yeah. those are kind of those are kind of the people who, you know, can actually act upon their convictions. Like if you're rich, I'm trying to think of examples. But I, maybe it was Che Guevara. Maybe he was, I may think of the wrong thing, but he might have been, I think he was privileged. Maybe it was Carlos the Jackal, just things like that. Privileged people who were, you know, became like a terrorist slash rebel revolutionary just because oh, yeah, they, had the ability to, they had the ability to act on their beliefs. As opposed to, oh, yeah. you know, if you're poor, you know, you don't have, you can't just go out and fight in Cuba or whatever. So right. you also can't miss work. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah I, I really like that. I liked, I, yeah, I really liked the, uh, the Aldani heist arc, but then I felt like after that is when the show really takes off and gets oh, yeah. elevated to a higher level of television. I felt like. Not when you watch it all in one day. No, really. Cause I, I feel like <laughs> when he goes back to Ferrex to get his mom and she's like you know she t- she's like talking to him and she's like like the day after you know the day we found out about Aldani I put on my my best dress and I walked in front of the imperial oh, yeah. headquarters like I strode across the square with my head held high 
for the first time since my husband was killed. And it's like, oh, I, thought, I thought that was really, really good. And he's seeing still, like for him, he got involved in this Aldani heist. Again, it was about money and survival. Yeah. And he sees that his mom cares about something bigger than that. And it gives him an inkling, an inkling for a second. And then he goes to, to you know, uh, Beach Planet and gets arrested. <laughs> and that is the... That is where we see the K, the the K unit. That's not not played by Alan Tudyk either. Different voice actor. I do want to talk a little bit more about the heist. Um, one thing about the oh, heist yeah. that I also really like is that pretty much everybody in the heist dies. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's it was that was 11. part of it's, the plan. Yeah. Because I mean, they even make a comment. They're like, yeah, you can kind of tell they didn't plan to have any of these people come back with them because they didn't want loose ends. I mean, uh, they I knew I going mean, into this. Either you die or we're killing you by the end of this because we can't have loose ends. I don't think that's... Now, why do you think that? Just because I feel like that was going to happen. I mean, Lucent, I mean, yes, he only had two people that were connected, but, I mean, they really hunt down Andor at the end. Well, because he's an unknown variable that joined for money and he runs off. I don't think that the, the heist crew was all going to be killed at the end. I, I don't think there's any indication of that. Okay. Maybe I'm just like like I mean I mean really like Vel like is like super upset when the kid dies. Yeah. Okay. Like they, and they I take mean, him guess... to like a, they take him to like an underground you know four armed doctor to try to save him. <laughs> like so I, I I feel like that. Okay. Uh, Nimic Nimic. I feel like yeah. yeah maybe I, don't, it was I just... don't feel like they thought any. I thought they they went into it knowing they could die, but I don't think they were planning on killing anyone except. Yeah. I... Yeah. I think I think Luthen planned to kill Andor possibly. And when Andor runs off like that, then it's like, all right, we got to kill him because he ran off. Like, okay. I think if I don't think because I think they need everyone they can get. So I don't, I don't think they were going to kill. Cause, okay. uh, That's just kind of how I took it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I, that isn't how I took it. It was just that it it went sideways. And then, yeah, Skeen. It goes sideways. Skeen, all right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Skeen, on the other hand, he was he was planning on on killing everyone and taking the money, which makes sense because he's he's a bad guy. He's like an actual, like, legit bad guy. Hey, I wonder if he's wanted in, in 15 star system or whatever the quarter. But he even, oh man, I loved his, like, prison tats. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And, and like, and, and like Cassian recognizes the prison tats and, and he can tell that he recognizes them. He's like, oh, you know what these mean, don't you? That's what I thought. <laughs> and he's like, what, where were you in? You know, and he's like, I was in Juvie, basically. But yeah, I thought that was really so well done. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Nemec, I want to talk about a little bit, but the whole fact that this guy has like a manifesto about how the oh, government, it. that was really well done, I thought. Oh, and the, the reveal of it at the end of the series is like, mm-hmm. so it's so good. And the way they do it, it's really, yeah. it's really good. I really liked it. I really like how much it, you know, how much it meant to him. And I think that's one reason they don't like Andor is because they figure out, you know, he's mercenary and they're like, well, he's not here for the cause. Like you need people. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> Which it turns out that scheme still, but yeah, yeah. Nemec is like the triple, you know, he reminded me of, he reminds me of, but differently, but a little bit, Mouse in The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Looked very think, similar, and I felt like he felt, filled a similar role, too. He's very kind of nervous talker. Yeah. Which is like, like Mouse. If that's the, that's the guy who talked about Tasty Weed or whatever. Yeah, he talks about, yeah, Tasty Weed. But he's like, Mouse is like the purest character on there, uh, in that show. Yeah. He's like the pure, innocent. He's not innocent, because he's like, talking about like, oh, you know, I can get you some time with the girl, the woman in the red dress. But he's innocent in a different way than the other <laughs> than the other characters are, and so you know, I, I feel like when you watch The Matrix, as soon as you meet Mouse, you're like, all right, so he's going to die, right? Yeah, uh, he's he's going to have to die, and it's going to make everyone feel bad when he dies, and that's going to be really, you know, 
And I felt like that's with Nimic. I was like, oh, cool. So he's going to, I was watching it with my son. And, and I was like, well, he's going to die. And my son's like, why? I'm like, because <laughs> he's like, he's like, I like Nimic. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's why he's going to die. Because <laughs> right. it'll make it dramatic when he dies. Because he's an idealist. He's got a, like a manifesto. So he's going to die. But so I was like, well, I hope not. And I'm like, well, watch. He'll die. <laughs> here's this character you like here watch what's gonna happen your yeah, father has studied uh plot and how to yeah. make a dramatic drama in it. yeah and then when he got crushed so i was like no it was pretty it was pretty told fun. you yeah i was like told you uh, no it's exactly what i said i told you <laughs> hey look the character you like ah, I was right. oh that's fun. Br- brutal parenting yeah <laughs> Um, but no, I like that. I like his manifesto. It's, it did, it was very, and it's, it is actually, it's, it's interesting because it it makes me think of, well, you know, I'm American history teacher and like the American revolution, you know, you've got people like George Washington, who is very much, he's in, he's in this revolution for mostly monetary reasons. He's, (laughs) he's been, he's been committing, he's been illegally selling land west of the Appalachian mountains for years under an assumed name. He's got, he owes he owes like an, a massive amount of debt to the bank of England. Like he's involved in the American revolution, you know, for, for his own personal gain, in my opinion. And then you've got someone like Thomas Paine, who is this idealist philosopher who writes, he writes common sense and convinces people to get behind the war and, you know, writes these like very idealistic stuff about freedom and democracy and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that's, it's, I think that, Something you see in revolutions is you're going to have yeah. the people who are in it for their own self-interest and you're going to have, you know, the people like, you know, Francis Marion, the swamp fox, who's, you know, like just like murdering people left and right, like murking people, like, you know, assassinating yeah. British officers and stuff. And then you're going to have people like Thomas Paine, the idealist. And I feel like that's it's it just every again, it's another part of the show where it just felt very real. Well, yeah. Well, wasn't that what Rebel Alliance means? You know, it's an alliance of the rebel groups. Like, it's not just oh, exactly. one. Yeah. That, which happens that was in the real cool life. thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was the cool thing that Rogue One introduced. Yeah. Was the idea of we've got our rebellion over here. And then Saw Gerrera, he's a little too extreme for us. Right. right. He's over here at his <laughs> thing. And in this, we see that there's multiple different factions. There's the one that Luthen and Saw Gerrera basically allow to die in order to cover their tracks. And I really, oh man, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but when Luther meets with Saw Gerrera, that was like a really cool scene. Yeah, both of them are, but especially the final scene when they meet and he pulls a gun on him. Oh yeah. That was, and you start seeing Saw kind of losing it too, you know, more and more, because you see Saw in Jedi Fallen Order, you see Saw in Rogue One, obviously, and you see Saw in Rebel. I was going to say, he shows up in Rebels, right? And Clone Wars. Oh, he's in Clone Wars, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, Clone Wars is his start before he, and then he loses his sister, and that's what leads him to, and you see him in Rebels, which is around this time, so he's kind of like this, but not as crazy as what he is in... In Rogue One, where he's... Yeah, and I don't remember how... Mind-sucking, like, aliens on people and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that are there to help him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's he no, didn't mean he didn't There's no poor Gullet in this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, he was the, like... He was the I, I I talked about this when we talked about Rogue One. Like I or did did we do a podcast? We haven't done Rogue One yet. We just have talked about it behind you know and yeah. other stuff. But we will be the, at some uh, point. I loved. I felt like that was you know. There's so much stuff that got left on the cutting room floor of that movie, and that's what I wanted more of in Rogue One. Is I wanted another like 20 minutes of Saw Gerrera. 
<laughs> I wanted, and and this gave us a little bit more Saw Guerrero. We got to see him before he's missing his feet and has his like messed up breathing thing, but he still sounds all gravelly. I was wondering if he was gonna like sound normal or not, but yeah. But it was cool to see how yeah. how Luthen is involved with so much stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, one last thing about the heist that I do want to say is I think it's just really cool how they did it. I I really liked it. I thought that I honestly thought the show could have ended after the heist because th- that was enough. Yeah. For a exactly. season one. Exactly. You could have ended I, there. And then it, I thought so, there, too. There was a scene after the heist that didn't click to my second watching. Is There's a woman who meets Val that I did not recognize at all. I'm like, who? And you only see her the one time, like, in this outfit. And I'm like, who is this talking to Val? And they say, we got to kill Andor. We have a loose end. I'm like, and it, it wasn't until this watching today when I realized, oh, that's the girl, the clerk in the antique store with Lucent. Lucent. Right, right. I did not put two and two together. Oh, because oh okay. She looked a lot different. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I recognize her, but yeah, I, <laughs> she's she's wearing a she's wearing a hood. I think she's wearing a different outfit than normal. Apparently but. it worked on me. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was a brand new character. I'm like, oh, more people are involved in this. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just a yeah. character. Yeah, but she's like upset with Val for trying to contact Luther. And she's like, you know, he'll contact you if he needs to contact you. You're like right now, you need to you need to worry about this. You need to do this. It is also I think it's in the first of the heist episodes that we get ex- um, introduced to one of my favorite characters of the show, Deidre Miro, the ISP. Oh, it might agent be. Yeah. Who lo- yeah, it is. It's in the end of episode four. Yeah. The ISP agent who looks like she's got like, she's, she's always smelling a fart. <laughs> she's just like, she's just angry at all times. She's angry, but I really liked her character. I thought her character was really well done. She, and she is not getting a redemption arc. There's no way. No, she is. No, she she is full on fascist, but she is like competent fascist. She's a competent fascist surrounded by incompetent fascists, and she's pissed off about it. She's like, <laughs> right. I need to be better at fascism, and and she and like she is so crazy because she's like a villain who I'm like rooting for. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you you tell them you get you yeah you you we, get a church, and then she starts torturing people. I'm like, all right, all right, maybe not. <laughs> and the ISB. <laughs> Hasn't been involved before, correct? Like, this is the first time I think we ever see him in Star Wars? They, I mean, they've been part of... Well, director Krennic in Rogue One was ISB. Oh, oh okay. okay, okay. So, so they've Rogue been World. mentioned. I just don't... It's and just they've not been, they, I caught. They think they've been around since... If I'm not mistaken, they were introduced in, like, the 80s in, like, a role-playing game or something. So they've been around oh, a lot of time. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That I, like, I like... I like, I really like the like thing that, was that the that, white uniforms, like they made anybody with a white uniform was ISB. And that was like part of the lore of Star Wars. So if you go back to the original Star Wars movie, you'll see people in white uniforms and they are considered in like the they were considered by like the exterior sources to be ISB officers. So, OK, That's, I mean, they're yeah, kind of so like they're, they're, the SS, right? Yeah, I would say. Or, or, or I'd say they're like the KGB or, or the or the CIA. They're they're the. Okay. They're the yeah. intelligence. They yeah, because the SS things. weren't exactly hidden. So no, no, no. Yeah, the, the <laughs> you S- knew when yeah. they were coming, right? The the SS the SS was a, a whole like it was all over the place because it was yeah. started off as a paramilitary organization before the war. I mean, before the Nazis took over. Yeah, but, but he made it his own thing and used it to gain more power. And yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I would say I say Gestapo. If you're going with Nazi Germany, they're the Gestapo. Okay, yeah, that's but, but KGB secret, is secret like police. A- but yeah, I think I think the parallel here is CIA or KGB. I mean. Two sides of the same coin, really. Yeah. Like, and, and I felt, I felt like it was, yeah, it, again, it felt very real that it's this organization that's supposed to be, you know, monitoring stuff, but bureaucracy keeps getting in the way of things in a way that I feel like that's exactly what happens. 
mm-hmm. bureaucracy yeah. does get in the way of any even these like they and then yeah she is like she and that's her parallel with Cyril is like two people who are good at their job and are like loyal to their job and are frustrated by the like stupidity of the bureaucracy, <laughs> the incompetent bureaucracy they're surrounded by. The difference is he is like a rent-a-cop who <laughs> wants to be more. And she's yeah. like a super competent intelligence agent. And he he's like obsessed with her in a weird, a very weird kind of oh, creepy God, way. Yeah. And she's like, does not understand what's going on, what his deal is. But still, I, yeah, I like that. And, and by the way, you mentioned that Krennic is ISB. And, you know, remember he had the, the death troopers and there is a scene yeah. in this where she's got some death troopers with her. Oh, okay. It's I like, didn't... Yeah, it's like five seconds in, like, I want to say the very last episode of the, se- of the season. Oh, okay. Um, I believe that. Yeah. When she's on Ferrex and she's, like, walking. I think it's when she's walking toward right before the riot breaks out and she's walking down there. She's got, like, four death troopers walking behind her. Okay, I got to read. I got I was. I got to the episode and I was near the riot when I ran out of time and had to start recording. Yeah, and and De- Death Troopers is what they call them in Rogue One, right? The blacks, the black like right. special forces stormtroopers that Krennic I'm uses. Pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the name. Okay. And then, that's I, I, cool. I get them mixed up because the the in Mandalorian, the ones that uh, John those Carlo, are dark troopers. Dark troopers, yeah. So they're not dark. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. the dark troopers are the robots that are from dark troopers uh, are robots. They look like they're made out of Beskar. Look like they're made out of Beskar. They should have been made out of Beskar, and they're not made out of Beskar, and that was disappointing. But anyway. <laughs> Another thing I, I do want to mention yeah, um, after the heist is how, the the impact of the heist in the Star Wars world now. Like, oh, we yeah. now know this is the event that leads to essentially the Rebel Alliance happening because Palpatine, I mean, we, I mean, if you read comics and all the other Star Wars stuff that I have, that, that is Disney canon. Like, he was already doing shit he shouldn't have been doing. Like, he was, but it wasn't, this is when they really, like, start putting down too many laws and, and become too aggressive to people too fast. Yeah, and, and that was that's in the manifesto. That's in um, what's his name's manifesto? Nimick's manifesto is that you know in dictatorships or oppressive regimes are like constantly afraid that they're going to lose their power because they know yeah. that they're wrong. And so the, the you know anytime you hit them, they're going to clamp down. But every time they clamp down, they just become weaker. They weaken themselves. And you I know, think I, it was, I thought that was really that was their whole plan in this case was to get to the point where they get the Empire to screw up, which they do. Get them to screw up to the point that, like, an alliance will actually form. Yeah. I mean, like, it It wasn't... It is. They need the money, but it wasn't really about the money. It was about fucking them over. Yeah, that's really what it was about. And it was about blood... Or not even... I mean, because really, ultimately, this was probably such... This was probably, like, a decimal point on the Imperial budget, right? It's such a tiny... (laughs) It's like one... It's like a payroll for one system in a galaxy spanning empire but it's one of those things of like this will bloody their nose and make them jump and they'll they'll jump so hard that it'll make people more willing to fight back and so it's it's really it isn't it's almost like it is a very dark thing to do when you think about it like the luthan's cell is basically trying to cause the empire to become more oppressive right yeah which is at first blush, like, oh, they're going to steal their gold coins, whatever. But it's like, no, it's <laughs> it's a you realize that once it happens, that that's what this is really about. It's well, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't. I'm just there are many parallels in real life. I'm thinking of the civil rights movement where, you know, they you know, people going into restaurants, you know, if you know, going into restaurants where blacks weren't allowed, they knew that 
they knew that it would be a response would be disproportionate. Like they would have the police yeah. call on them and they'd be pulled out. But they knew also that the TV cameras would pick up on that. Right. And like so the point was to to get an overreaction from, quote, the bad side. And so the rest of the world would say, oh, Jesus, what's going on with there? You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think then that's that's definitely the plan. Like the yeah. more repressive they get, the more t- more people will turn against the empire. If not right away, then eventually they will. And you look so, at our history and yeah. so many dictatorships are ended by that because the dictator gets a little too happy and starts killing too many people. And then it, right. gets, it gets broadcast. I, I know there's some in Africa. I can't think off the top of my head which dictators, um, but I watched the whole thing about dictators and how they what they did that fucked them all. <laughs> because almost all of them get murdered by their people eventually. There, I think Gaddafi might have survived and died, but I can't. <laughs> I can't remember if he got murdered or not by his people. No, Gaddafi. Or Gaddafi he, oh, Gaddafi he got killed, killed in a horrific manner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They almost all of them just get, I mean, they all get murdered by their own people eventually. You can only do it for so long before, like, they're going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember with him. I, I think there's like, or you, get, or you get thrown down an elevator shaft by your apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, but I also like how they mention Palpatine's name in this a couple times. They're like, take it up with, take it up with Palpatine. Like, really? Yeah. When they say that to Ant, when they arrest him for nothing. Yeah. Oh, okay. On when, after the heist, and you know, he's on like this the shore planet. You get shore troopers, and I don't know what it was, but there's something about me seeing different stormtroopers that just makes me smile. Oh, like, yeah, I, have a fun I love it. The flame trooper from uh, book yeah. Mandalorian, just because, just because, and I'm like, I saw this, I'm like, ah, damn it, you guys did it yeah. again. The, yeah, the be- beach troopers is great. It would have been would have been great if they had like short short armor, <laughs> uh-huh. like little shorts, so they could ride bicycles. Oh yeah, hover, man, ride little hover bikes would have been great. <laughs> I mean, this is. I do like the fact that it kind of shows what they're doing, how they're like with the sentencing and everything, where he's like, oh, this used to be a six month sentence, but now six years for right. nothing. And, or- you know, when he gets arrested, by the way, I thought this was when K2SO and him were going to become oh, friends because yeah. that, that 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 K unit picks him up. The security unit picks him up by the throat because it's like because he tells him, hold him here. And so he picks him hang up him. and holds him or yeah, he like holds him by hang the on throat. To him. Hang on to him. Oh, that's yeah. what he said. Says hang on to him. So he holds him by the throat and he's like choking. He's like, he didn't mean that. He meant just watch me. And it's just like I was expecting this is when he and K2SO meet and it wasn't. Yeah. But it was a fun little tease. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, how he they have the just like the kangaroo court trials where it's just like next six years. Right. <laughs> six years it's... for loitering, basically. <laughs> and he keeps saying, I'm a tourist. I'm innocent. I'm a tourist. Yeah, it's it's so like it's so big brotherish. But again, it's just the empire we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It felt. Yeah, it just felt real. And then so then we get the prison arc, which to me felt longer, but it's only three episodes. Right. It gets a little boring as I watched all of it today. Yeah, it it tires oh, a little. I did. Man, yeah. I loved it. Andy Circus. I could listen to Andy Circus read the phone book. He is, <laughs> well, I mean, I enjoyed it when I saw it three weeks, you know, separately. But when you watch all three of it in a row, it can get a little tiring. No, I was like watching it with my son and I was like, do you know who that is? I paused it and I was like, he's like trying to guess. And I'm like, I'm like, it's Andy Circus, precious. <laughs> and he, <laughs> Oh, and, and yeah. I was I was so I was, glad to see him in here. I did not expect to get. I was up. delighted. He is such a good actor. Like, I couldn't it, believe. Yeah, oh, I was like, is that Andy? Like, that's Andy Circus. Was he? What's he doing? What's he doing in Star Wars? Thing? Not playing some kind of like monster, like yeah. alien or something. He's just. I loved a it. Yeah. Well, you know, he's um he. The first thing I saw him in, like as a 
not like not as like a creature or whatever. He's in funny. He plays himself in funny people for like oh. you know ten seconds. But I was gonna say he's in you know uh, two of the Marvel movies. He's in. Yep. He plays right. he plays Claw in Black Panther and Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron and yeah, Black Panther. But so yeah, so I knew what he looked like. But still, it's just it's neat to see this. I don't know. He's such a good actor. I loved it. I love everything in there. I love their little gel cells that they don't have to have bars on because the floor will kill you. And <laughs> and they got the food tube and you can eat all you want. Just sit, sit here and suck nutrition paste out of this tube. But there's no flavor. Want, but there's no flavor. But, you know, you want to, you know, they want us, you know, fit. They want us to have plenty of energy for work. So just, you know, suck on this food tube. And you see and or, you know, just sucking on it a couple of times. Yeah. And, and just everything just feels like it's like, yeah, no, this is this is what a this is what a prison would be like. Yeah, this <laughs> looks real. This this feels real yeah, mm. very much. So it, it honestly, I expected to be two to a bunk. So, yeah. Or two I mean, the way they do it, bunk. like, you know, just, just taking this random prison. I was it on the same planet or was it a different planet. I couldn't no, it's, tell. it's on it's on a it's a prison planet, basically. OK. And I, I thought it was interesting, like, you know, they have like the electric floors and that's how they're governing because, you know, you, you're all barefoot. Like, I, I thought it was good the way they do different things with that how they really introduce you you know to this prison and the fact that they're not holding it very well <laughs> you know they don't really ha- i mean they don't have enough guards they they all they but rely they on the floor system. they feel like they don't need it because they've got that that you know ingenious floor system which it made me think of uh face off oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> where they've got the magnetic floor with the boots from the super mario brothers movie oh yes it's also <laughs> yeah. a water prison oh yeah it's also yeah and it's like the raft in marvel you know, oh, in the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah. yeah, it's it's smart, or I guess it's like Rikers Island in real life. Never mind, <laughs> or or or, or Alcatraz. Uh, Alcatraz. Yeah, it's like okay, so no, I guess we do this in the real world too, don't we? But anyway, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> we do. Except yeah. you don't get there by spaceship. Yeah, but it was. Um, I I was like, I was like, well, there's no way. I was certain with the escape. The escape plan is to get to a ship because it seems ridiculous that they're going to jump off of this thing into the ocean. And like, but they did. But anyway, I liked, I liked the whole prison sequence a lot. I liked also, you could tell he was, he was working on this for a while because you see him go in there and mess with that water pipe a couple of times yeah. before the yeah. episode. With it. But, I and mean, that, they, but they do a good job of showing you how long he's in prison too. Like he's there for a lot for months. Right. And, the, and, but then like when they find out that they killed all the people on the other floor and all that, he's been trying to convince you know, gosh, uh, Andy, Andy Circus <laughs> to be on his side. He's been trying to get him on, you know, to help him. And then he, you know, he he's like, you know, tell me how many guards at any time, blah, blah, blah. And he won't say anything. And then after they find out what happened, and this is all just like, we're never getting out of here. Yeah. We're here till we die. And he goes, never more than 12 at one time. You know, he says it like that. Like he's, he knows, he knows. And he's, he's, he's in like with that one line delivered so well too. At the end of episode, I think it's episode nine. Yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, Kino, that's his name. Kino. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does a good job in this. I mean, it, it was funny. I was like, I thought I could have swore he was Snoke, but I, that movie never happened. So that makes sense. But <laughs> I can't wait. to. Well, you, you, you missed the post credit scene where he falls into a vat of ass and he comes out and he says, oh, my name is Snoke now. <laughs> that's not actually the post credit. I know. But I thought they, that was cool to see him and like the whole prison, like. You know, they find out all their sentences got, you know, got extended. And then they, the whole reason what happened is that they somebody ended their sentence and they put them right back in a different in jail, but on a different floor. They didn't move. Right. Yeah. A different plant. And, and that is I feel like that's a little bit of a plot hole because 
no matter what prison that guy ended up at, you know he would have told the other prisoners, hey, I was supposed to be released, and they just put me back. Yeah, but people might not believe him. Yeah, but they, why would they, I mean, if they're not going to believe him in one prison, what would it make the difference? I don't know. The I felt like that recognize was, him. I guess, but he's on a different floor. They put him uh, on a different I guess, floor. Yeah, maybe we, maybe it's something you shouldn't look at too close. <laughs> you just, I yeah, thought it was that, the same that floor. Was, that was really... Yeah. On my rewatch, it, I it realized it wasn't the same floor. Yeah, it's not the same floor. So I was just kind of like, I got it. And it was, I just, it felt a little contrived because I was like, he would, whether he ended up in this prison or a different prison, it was, it was always going to be a problem to just put these people in, you know, like restart their sentence like that. Yeah. You know, but that's kind of, it, it, again, that's, that's another interesting thing. Like with, you know, like parallels to real life, like the Nazis, they started off, they told the people they were putting in concentration camps that it was a temporary measure. That they, were being tempor- that they were being temporarily detained until they could be deported. That was like the thing. It was like these are temp- relocations. I mean, basically, reloc- relocation centers is what the United States called our concentration camps that we put the Japanese in. Yeah. We call them relocation centers instead of, you know, we call them internment camps now, but at the time we called them relocation centers. But but still, like, that's what the Nazis told the, the Jews and others. That they're, they're like, yeah, you're being deported. And until we can deport you, you're going to be in this yeah. camp. And then, but in reality, the camps were meant to be permanent. And that was like the, and they weren't originally meant to be death camps. They were just meant to be permanent slave labor camp. Yeah. And that's kind of and, what you see them doing here, which I like. That's what they're doing here. Right. They're like, oh, you're going to jail for six years for a crime that would normally have been six months. Now, six years because the empire has gone nuts because of what, the Aldani thing. But then it's like, well, actually, no, that's a lie. It's permanent because we're just doing slave labor. It's the same thing. And it's, it's really, I uh, just, yeah, it was so good. Everything about this, like I said, that one little thing made me go, eh, I don't know if that's how it would go down, but everything else about it was great. And, um, and so they get out of the prison and then that's, so we, this, the show is 12 episodes and it's, it's like, you've got your three episodes for the introductory arc, three for the heist, three for the heist. Yeah. And then you've got one in between episode and then you got three for the prison and then you have two at the end, you have two episodes yeah. to end the show. And so that I, last last two is a real good. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I also wasn't expecting. Like, I thought the show end a few times when they first escape from the prison and you see them swim off. I thought that was the end of the season again. At that point, I looked up and found out it was going to be 12 episodes. So I knew at that point it wasn't. I originally was like, well, you know, Obi Wan's six episodes and yeah. the high stands on the six episodes, so that makes sense. But yeah, no, I knew I knew that wasn't that that. But again, it could be. You could totally have that be a season finale, and it would have been a satisfying season finale. Yeah. But those last two episodes, I felt like, are very good. They, they like, really are. It's a I, real I would good agree with cap that. off to the show. So do we want to move to those last two episodes, then, I guess? Yeah. Um, let's go on. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we have... Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I can't talk talk about bonfires. <laughs> we had, so, so we have Marva's funeral, and I thought Marva's funeral... I thought that was a neat idea, that the tradition on their planet is that you have your ashes turned into a brick. That was to cool put, to be put on like the wall because that's yeah. like that. That is, I mean, and that's like, I mean, that's what I did with my dad when my dad died. I had his ashes put. Oh, really? Not in, not made into a brick, but that it's like his ashes are in like a little, basically a brick. It's a little brass box okay. shaped like a brick, and it's in a wall on uh, in the veterans cemetery in Houston. But it's like because uh, because I someone said, well, that's dumb to do as like a brick. I was like, no, that's like a real thing people do. Yeah, I mean, not make it into yeah. a literal clay brick, <laughs> but, you know, but still, it. the idea of taking your ashes and putting them in a wall is like a is like a real world thing. And it's, it was just one more 
I don't know. It just it so much more poignant than like putting him in like a little you know space uh, sunglasses case and shooting him off in at the ship like in Star Trek or whatever. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, a proton yeah, torpedo. Yeah. I mean, I think it. I think it's just a, a coffin that they shoot out there. Like, but if you're talking about a Spock, but um, I am yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then and then you have like you can see like the beginnings of the stuff going on on the on the planet, and then we've got all this other stuff going on in the background with Saw Guerrera, and he ends up allowing at the last minute allowing that um, guy to die at Krieger and his people to die at Spellhouse. Yeah. Um, Luther like convinces him not to do it, and I do it's, like, like that that really tense it, meeting. You're talking I mean, about. and you know, and you also when you see the ISB, you know, traitor essentially that's working with the rebels. Yeah, I like that too. And you know, and again, he was only doing it for personal gain because he makes Luther makes comedy. He's like, you did this because it helped you know get your career far. Like we helped you too, and now you want out. Yeah, he's like, you ain't getting out. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no out. There's, there's, you're in or you're dead. You yeah. know, is how it goes. And it's like, you can feel like that's, again, that feels like so real. One one thing that's a little, I think maybe the most Star Wars-y moment is Luthen escaping from the Imperial Patrol with his oh, like, yeah. just badass ship taking out, <laughs> takes out like two or three TIE fighters, destroys the tractor beam. And I was like, oh, that is exactly how you would destroy a tractor beam, though. That's so I, smart. I really like how crazy his yeah. ship gets. I think that ship is in an animated or one of the animated shows or something. Yeah. The first, yeah. But it, it is a little, like I said, it is the more like traditionally Star Wars-y, just like it's it's a maybe a little, it, it makes me think of like with, you know, Slave One having all the little bells and whistles. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little bit Mandalorian-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yes, a move yes. Mandalorian. Very Mandalorian. Very Mandalorian-ish where Mando's armor always has like an extra little gadget. It's, you know, for, it's a James Bond, very James Bond. Just it's it's very like, it's a little much, but it, it was fun. It was like a fun little action scene. My son yeah. definitely liked it. Yeah, I don't have too many problems with it. I think, yeah, know, I didn't have any. Yeah, it it's good to intersperse. Yeah, it's good to intersperse. There's a lot of talking, and I feel like the episode doesn't have a lot of action until that scene. So there's a lot of tension, but not action. So it's good to have that interspersed in there. Yeah, that's a very, that's a big, talk, that's a big talking episode for sure. Yeah. This is right. Mon, Mon Mothma you know, having to reveal to, to Val that she's going to basically sell her daughter to a mobster. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to cover herself because she's, they're, been about she's, money. she's they're like, she's 14. It's like, that's how old we were when we got married. That's, you know, they're right. there. So you realize their planet, my mom was from a like planet that is in the child, child, well, no bride and groom. So, yeah, know, I guess child as long marriage. as they're uh, yeah, child marriage, I guess that's better than if only one of them was a child, but Still, it's a little, yeah, I guess what I was saying about the Luthen's ship and all that is it just, it, it is fine. It was, it was fun and it was fine. It doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the series as much. Right. Because it's but, a little more unrealistic, I yeah. guess, too. But, but still, it was cool. I like and seeing so, a really cool ship in the late, I think like a laser thing too and like rip apart TIE fighters or something. Yeah. Yeah. He has like a laser thing that cuts through like a TIE fighter, like, and, and he has that. The thing of like you know like releasing a bunch of like sharp metal like things for the tractor when the tractor beam's pulling on you the idea of just like I mean you would think the tractor beam's pulling on you you just detach a bomb or whatever yeah. and the tractor beam's gonna suck that thing right up and blow up. and it's he has something else but it was sim it was still similarly of like oh yeah that makes that's exactly what you would do makes complete sense I liked it and then I like on a pl the prison planet which I looked up as Narkina Five out um. Cassian and that other prisoner 
they get caught by the fisherman guys. And then the fisherman was like, weird. yeah, I, I thought it was good because it was like, they're, they're like, well, I guess we could turn you in, but you know what? Fuck the empire so that we're going to let you go. It's like, I, I like that. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was neat because it showed again how the empire being so dickish is going to turn people <laughs> against them. Cause that's the thing. They're like, these people that like, this is their planet. And the empire decided this would be a good place to put a prison. And we're going to put a prison here. It's like, they, they don't get a choice in it. They don't have any choice. And they in that, all the water because they're right. using the water for whatever the hell they're, you know, they're producing they're, all these. Yeah. They're dumping chemicals into the water. So it's like the fishing has gone bad. And like, you know, this is our planet. They're polluting our planet, building stuff on it. Didn't ask our permission. So no, we're not going to help them. Not even for a reward. I thought it was really cool. I yeah. liked it. Oh yeah. It, I mean, yeah, they were, they were kind of, you know, some goofy aliens, but you know, <laughs> you think, goofy. Oh, they were goofy. That's, All right. that's star Wars. Need some goofy. Yeah. Goofy aliens. That was fine. And there's a, a, a thing that I didn't catch. So in the last two episodes, you kind you have a, this is in the second part, but just to kind of mention it, what's on top of my head is you have a guy who betrays Andor and tells the Imperials where he is. I forgot by the time I got this episode until I did my rewatch, he's in the first episode asking Andor for his money back and Andor ignores him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I, he, wait, was he, um, I thought, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. He's in the first episode with a big but, guy. But he, does, does he betray them? Oh yeah. He, he does. Betrays he Andor. Goes in. Well, he goes in, he's like going to, right. Doesn't it like, he doesn't like, he tells him where he's at hiding under that, under that roof. Oh, okay. But then he moves before they get there. Cause he, Oh, notices. that's what it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He's and or owed him money, and he didn't pay him, so he's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, but then you can tell he has, like, second thoughts. He has, like, second thoughts about it, you can tell, though, like, near the end, but it's, like, too well, late, I guess. Realizes how bad the Empire is, because, I mean, like, this is when you see... They start firing into the crowd and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, reminded me a lot of history, because isn't that what, if I remember correctly, the British did that with the, you know, what the fuck is Boss Massacre, is that it? They shoot in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, they did that with the Boston Massacre. That's a, you know, shooting into the crowd of protesting people is a good way to start yeah. a revolution or a riot, at least in the very yeah. <laughs> least. I mean, in the in the in the Boston Massacre, they were like, you know, it's like seven six guys surrounded by like forty guys, and they're like throwing rocks at them and stuff and shouting threats at them. But it's still one of those situations of of yeah, firing into the crowd um, of unarmed people. Yeah, and that. That's what it reminded me of here when you get to that. But I do I like, think that's what it was supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. again, the show felt like it kept could it ending. Like when he gets out of prison, you have the episode right before right. this with the daughter, uh, the one with Mom Mothma. Like it could have ended there called One Way Out. I mean, you have the daughter affair. It could have ended there when, you know, he calls and find out his mother died. And the show just keeps going. That That's what surprised me, too. Yeah, but I thought, yeah, season episode 12 is a extremely satisfying where I was like, at the end of it, I was like, well, I wonder if there's going to be a second season. I mean, I guess there doesn't really have to be, but there te- definitely could be. It, yeah. that, was, that was so good. It wrapped it up in a satisfying way where if they decided not to make a second season, you would still feel like you got the whole story. But yeah. you also have so many threads and seeds that you're like, oh, but we could definitely do a second season. And we could see what's up with Cyril and Deidre post Ferrix and... What's going on? You know, how is Luthen going to die? Because we know he's got to die because in Rogue One, there's a different shady um, rebel pulling Andor's strings. Who? I don't. God, I don't remember Rogue he's a, One he's, at all. It's uh, one of the military commanders who, like, is very, like, you know, ha- very much has that, like, like gung-ho military officer guy. You know, okay. like, we're, you know, he's, he's very much got 
as similar demeanor of like a well, anyway, and he pulls them <laughs> aside when they go to a, a allegedly rescue. Um, oh yeah, Dr. he tells Dr. him to kill him. So he tells him to kill him. Okay, and and Andor, you can tell has like misgivings, but nods and goes along with it. And that's that guy. I feel like if Luthen was supposed to survive the series, it would have been Luthen telling him to do that. Oh, good point. But anyway, I mean, maybe not. But I just I feel like it makes sense to have Luthen die in season. But my point is, is I I feel like the show has like a good, satisfying conclusion, but leaves it open really well to a second season. Like yeah. the, in the final episode, you have everything come together. You have all the people who are trying to kill Andor. You have the ISB. You have the stupid corporal guy, whatever the hell his name is, the blue, the cereal eater. You have Cyril. him. Cyril. Cyril. And Deidre. Deidre is. Yeah, Deidre comes, comes to the planet on in, in the episode before that. So Deidre's on Ferex now. So we're bringing all these characters together. Lucin like, is there looking, you know, you have Val is there to kill Andor. Like, you have everything Luke, happening. Luthen's there to kill Andor also, apparently, if you wanted to <laughs> make sure it happened. And yeah, you've got you've got everybody that's still alive. Yeah, I mean, it, and the Riot yeah. thing is also, like, I know there was a scene that they also changed, because in the last episode, they, they played this hologram of what Marva had wanted to say. And in, in the very end of it, she says something about, we had to stand up against the Empire. It was supposed to be fuck the Empire, but Disney didn't want to do that. Oh, really? I've heard, yeah, that. I I I've heard that, too. There was... I can't imagine that, that that would ever... Yeah. I am skeptical of that, too. However, there was a post... There was a Reddit post several months ago before the series had aired where someone described the last scene and someone said... Someone said that story. That they, she, it, could oh. be that they, it could be that they filmed it that way with no intention of... Like, I, I, don't, I don't think they ever would have put that in the show, but maybe they filmed it that way like once did a take with that with the intention yeah. of it over or something. Yeah, may, maybe I can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's yeah, any chance that that was going to happen. <laughs> but but I do, this is the first show that used the word shit though. Somebody does say the word shit and no one's ever said that in star Wars. Really? Oh. No, <laughs> yeah. they don't say, they don't say poodoo. They say shit. Right. Yeah. I think it was, um, the second in command of cereal, the Scottish guy says, it. Oh yeah. The, no. gosh, the, the Scottish police officer guy. Oh my right. god, we we didn't talk about him. Oh my lord, my lord. No, no we so, don't. I was like, what are we watching? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but I mean, uh, it just uh, yeah, it's so good how the final stuff goes. Oh, and in the crowd because I have issues with Star Wars because I had this figure. There is one of the Boston spot. Is it Boston the spy with the big nose that turns him in in A New Hope? There's one of that race in the background. Yeah, that's oh. not a Boston, but no, but. Is. I can't remember what they're called, but it made me smile because I, I had their toy. I had to figure yeah, it was oh, yeah. very briefly. You see it yeah. very briefly. But yeah, he's, yeah. It it's me. just like it's just like how you see the deaf troopers for like less than a, le- less than two seconds. They're actually a little bit longer. You see them in that one scene. Oh. And you see them go into a building and stick their guns up somewhere. But they do show up yeah. for like a so like under yeah. 30 seconds. But they are a little bit. But I, I really like the, the, the riot and all that. And Deidre gets caught out in it and gets like like a head injury or something. And then Cyril comes and grabs her and rescues her. It's like the bodyguard, right? Like, thankfully, they, they oh. th- thankfully they do not kiss or anything, you know. Yeah, she's still like, <laughs> what the? She's still very much like, what is with you? Right. Why are you following me? Why are you fucking on this planet? It also throws her off. Like I love seeing how distraught she gets after almost dying because she wasn't expecting that because she's yeah. been so sheltered. Even though she's tortured people, she's had people murdered. But the fact that she comes close to it, it also becomes so much she's, more real. And I'm like, right, because she's that. she's an office person. She's a bureaucrat. She's a she's a pencil pusher. Yeah. She's an important one and a smart one. But she's not in, ever had to be exposed to anything like this before. 
I yeah, I loved it. It everything again, just everything feels real. And I man, her character is one of my favorite characters in this show. I and how such a good job. The kid throws a bomb into the crowd that and or into the Imperials because of they're the ones that killed his father because his father had the the radio and they were just waiting and went. oh yeah they were showing him building the bomb throughout the beginning of the yeah. episode and i was like oh no that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> like oh you can tell what's gonna happen here this is gonna go i loved it i was like oh that's that's so right that's so right uh, it, it, it just turns out really good and seeing them fight and seeing the empire not really know what to do yeah. in this either I mean, because yeah. this is supposed to be the beginning of, you know, the people standing up against the Empire because they're going to hear about all these murders that just happen in this place. Even though it's far away, they're still going to hear about it. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to know that people stood up, that people like protested. I mean, the video of like her hologram is going to be played in other places. And, you know, Nimick's manifesto, you know, is probably going to get out there eventually, too. And yeah, I love. And then, yeah. So Cassian manages to rescue Bix. And rescue and send her off with some characters that I am sure were in the show earlier, but they just seem they to come are, out of yeah. nowhere. It's like they, they have names. I'm looking as like someone named Brasso. Yeah, like, all right, important. cool. All right. <laughs> but he sends them off. He sends them off. And then he goes to Luthen's ship and he basically tells Luthen, either take me in or kill me. And we can see Luthen's like, I seize the promise in him and decides to take him in. And then we get the post credit scene that I think they should have just not had, that you said you didn't see. No, I actually didn't see it. I'm going to look it up now, but I but feel free to talk about it. Okay, so the post credit scene is we see that when he was in prison, what they were building were pieces of the dish on the Death Star. Oh. So we see the Death Star being constructed, and it, like, zooms in on that, that thing, that, like, three-armed thing that they were building. It's like they're putting those... They're they're they they're like an integral. They're part of the structure of the the destruction dish di- disc on the uh, on the Death Star. Okay, I see. I'm watching, looking at it right now because it shows them that they're already building the Death Star, which make you know, or it's already you know, yeah. partly built. We know, and we know it should already be partly built because it was already completed by Rogue One, and this, I mean, feels like it's taking place a year or two before Rogue One. Uh, five years. So five. It, oh, is this is makes, five years before Rogue One? It, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Oh well, no, well, no, but they're already starting it at the end of episode three. So yeah, they definitely. Yeah, I forgot about that because I haven't watched episode three and since I saw it in the theater. So oh, what were you going to say, Peter? <laughs> I agree. I agree that they didn't need the scene. I kind of never wanted to know what they were building. That would make it all the more dystopian Orwellian. That like yeah. they're just building something as part of the war machine. I get that the show, you know, and, you know, Rogue One's about the Death Star and Andor is leading up to that. So they wanted to tie it into the Death Star. I just think it, that you don't need to explain everything, but Star Wars yeah. likes to make likes to explain everything. So yeah, guess what I, I they were building? Say, there is a poetry that yeah. he's in prison building the thing that is going to kill him, right. but that he's going to be instrumental in destroying also. Right. So I, there I there is a little bit of that to it, but yeah, it was it was it was just kind of like okay, I didn't need that. It was fine though. It was funny. I was like, oh uh-huh, yeah, that makes sense. Someone else, I was listening to like a podcast and they were saying, what if what would have been great is if like they showed the prison and there's another floor and they're disassembling those things to send them the parts to build more. And I was like, that, that would have been silly, but also really funny <laughs> if it turns out that they're just, they're doing nothing. It's just busy work. But yeah, the idea that they're building the death, they're helping build the death star is like, I, I was just like, I, I was wondering the whole time they're in jail building those things. I was like, it feels like it must go on some sort of like droid or maybe it's like part of a tie fighter 
but yeah, it doesn't it like look Walker. Yeah, or I was like, maybe it's like the. I was like, it kind of looks like the feet on an ATAT, only it's too small for that. But maybe it's the feet on an ATST. Or yeah, I was wondering what the hell, like, but it makes sense. I mean, it kind of fits into that whole theme of the fact that this is why they're upping the prisoners and they need more slave labor because they're you know building the gigantic Death Star. Yeah, because that thing is so fuck. You know, that's no moon. So yeah, that that would be like a an epic building project. That's true. So and you're building it in space, <laughs> so yeah. not exactly like you can you can't breathe the air around it. So yeah, Peter, do you have anything you want to say about the last part, last episode? No, I'm good right now. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad. I'm so glad. This is kind of spoiling over into the next That's bit, fine. but I, I'm glad that it sets up a second season. Or I'm I'm glad there's going to be a second season because while it does end on a satisfying note for this series, I like the series so much that I'm interested to see how they would continue it. And I hope they can t- keep the tone, and I hope they keep the the same kind of writing style for season two because I I, I want I am interested to see what happens to these characters, some of them at least. Yeah. I mean, I am too. I mean, I, I I came into this with no expectations, and I'm the same with you. Like it, it made me want more, and I'm looking forward to what we get. Yeah, and where this goes. All right, any last comments you want to say about the show before we go on a shelf stacker box? No, that's okay. good. I, let's go on. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, so I came, like I said before, I came to the show with no expectations. I don't like. I didn't like Rogue One the couple times I watched it. This show, I liked it more when I watched it week by week than I did today <laughs> when I watched too much of it. But I can't let that really, because that's not the show's fault. That's me <laughs> trying to watch everything for, for a podcast and be caught up just because I wanted that refresher. I like to do that. I'm going to put it on the stack because I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I don't think it's something that I could watch often because it just it is so dark and depressing at times to me that I didn't like that. Like when you watched it, like when you get to the prison stuff, the prison, everything is just so depressing. And it's not something that I could keep, I'd want to watch. It's not a Star Wars thing if I'm, that I'd want to watch over and over again. I could watch easily watch Mandalorian season one and two because they're just so Star Wars. But I didn't I did still really enjoyed Andor. It's a great, great show. I just have to put it on the stack. It's not something that I could com- continually enjoy. What about you, Peter? I would put it. I'm tempted to put it on the shelf. I do think it's a little bit depressing. OK, <laughs> it is might not be rewatchable, but I think it's very important. If you like Star Wars, you absolutely should watch it. Um, it's a show about fascism and dealing you know living in a society that's fascist but in the star wars story it's you know you get to see the formation of rebel Alliance, <laughs> and i think that's so interesting and i think it's so compelling that yeah i'm gonna revisit it at some point okay yeah and what about you carrie yeah i'm the same as peter i i say shelf i don't know that i'm gonna rewatch it anytime soon because i don't really feel like i have time to rewatch a 12 hour <laughs> like you know drama like that anytime soon but it's like, you know, when season two is coming, I'm probably going to rewatch it for season two and then watch Rogue One. I feel like it is. Yeah. Like Peter said, it's it's just it's important. Um, I think Rogue One is extremely underrated and, 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 and it, you know, it has issues. But I think it's it, it's probably, you know, in some ways, some, one of the best things that Star Wars has ever done. And I felt like this is better than that. But, okay. it, it, but good for a lot of the same reasons. That oh, and that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, this. Yeah. This did a really good job of showing us, you know, what how the Rebel Alliance comes. I think just I know like one last thing I want to go out on is I know a lot of people had a problem. Like there are a lot of people that complained about the show who love Star Wars because it wasn't what they what they like about Star Wars. I mean, for me, the reason I didn't put this on the shelf because it's not as hopeful. I like more hopeful things. Mm, yeah. And it doesn't it's not hopeful. And I and that kind of I mean, I still really, really enjoyed it, but I, I don't like my stuff to go out on a 
you know, it's just, I don't like that world at times. And people like Star Wars, they like the lightsabers, like all that, the Force, and this didn't have that. But I'm glad that we're getting something different. Yeah, it's I, I do love those things, so you're wrong. I just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Star Wars has, has gotten, it's a, a, especially, it's just, it's gotten a little samey. Like, yep. they're afraid to tell anything, do new stories and go in new directions with things. And I think Mandalorian and this, this more maybe this more so, are taking Star Wars in a different direction than it's and and are not afraid to go off and and really tell an interesting new story that's different than anything else we've ever seen in the series. And I think that's the best thing about Rogue One is that it's even though it's a prequel and it has these stuff, you know, stuff that ties it in, it still feels like it's telling a very different story than we've ever seen in Star Wars. And I feel like that's the same thing here. Yeah. And then and then also just the use of real sets, real locations. <laughs> Real, just real, 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 very minimal, you know, CGI, I think, is always the way to go. And that's this, too. So I hope we get more of that, too. Yeah. All right. And Peter, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me. My book series is called The Fifth Civilization. Uh, that's the name of the first book as well. Find it on Amazon under The Fifth Civilization. It's a fun, adventurous read. I would highly recommend it. Definitely. All right. And Carrie, where can people find you at? Hey, uh, so I am on Twitch at Carousetta, K-E-R-O-O-S-E-T-A. Just uh, basically just turn on the streaming button anytime I'm playing on my PS5, pretty much. And then occasionally I also modify and repair video game consoles in my workshop and stream that. I just uh, fixed a drifty uh, Switch Pro controller on the stream last week. So, Mm. (laughs) All right, and if you want to hear more Star Wars... I'll read these fast. <laughs> Star Wars Shadow the Empire, <laughs> Comic 41, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Film 37, Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, TV 5, Empire Strikes Back, Film 32, Star Wars The Last Command, Comic 37, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, Film 29, Star Wars Dark Force Rising, Comic 36, Book of Boba Fett, TV 4, Star Wars Heir to the Empire, Comic 34, The Mandalorian Season 1, TV 2, Star Wars Dark Empire 2, Comic 30, Star Wars Dark Empire, Comic 27, The Force Unleashed, Episode 115, The Mandalorian Season 2, TV 1, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, Episode 87, Knights of the Old Republic, Episode 69, Star Wars Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, Comic 6, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, Episode 48, Cover the Game, Star Wars Holiday Special, Film 6, (laughs) and Star Wars Public Commando, Episode 21, and Star Wars Dark Forces, Episode 13. There's all the other Star Wars content that we've done. You can find all of it on Podbean. If you can't find me looking for an iTunes or Spotify, because they only go back 100 episodes, and I have well over 400, so you can find everything there. I uh, want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hatsphere. You can follow her on TikTok. Also want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, did all the MCU movies with me. You can follow his podcast, The Gamer Looks at 40. If you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon for a little dollar. You can vote in our Patreon each month. We have different polls. I don't know what it will be when this comes out, but go definitely go check that out. And... Yeah, I think, oh yeah, please follow Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we do have a Discord if you want to chat with us. And we are also on YouTube with audio only. Uh, Thank you, and you have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Bye.